0: Welcome to another episode of Forgot My Transmitter. Today's episode is with Jake from Kansas. We talked for almost two hours. I tried to squeeze it down to pull out all the good information, but there's just too much there, so we got to spread it out over two episodes. So hang in there and enjoy the show. I'm glad we're finally able to make this work here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've actually been interested in doing it. It's kind of cool to actually talk about this industry, or at least with somebody that actually knows about a lot about it as much as I do because it's definitely something that I feel is very important to at least kind of educate the individuals that are wanting to learn about it because of the importance of the what we do on a daily basis. So did you pretty much just drop doing what you're doing as far as locating and then concentrate on doing this?
0: No, this is just a side gig, just a few hours a week working at this.
1: I got you, I got you. I really enjoyed the first one he did with your supervisor. He definitely had a lot to bring to the table.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's one of the first I'd like to have back on the show because afterwards he was like, there's so much more I want to say.
1: Oh, yeah. like That's the one thing I I could, I was just like, because I'm, I'm nearly 40. I've been doing this almost 10 years, and that was the one thing I said to myself. I was like, good Lord, he only has an hour. But the one thing that I've, feel the importance of, you know, contractor locator relationship, the importance of the new hire process, how to incorporate a new hire, a greenhorn into the industry to ensure that the person that you're bringing on is going to succeed. Because the one thing that gets lost in this industry is the big companies that run the show as far as the locators look at us, I feel, as a expendable asset. Because of the perks that are provided to new hires, a truck, a laptop, all that stuff that, you know, seem to be high up in the economy as far as the cost that, you know, they're willing to bring on anybody to, to, you know, pay the training because they know if they flake out, they hire one good out of 10, you know, there's 100 people lined up to do the same thing. You know yeah. and I'm a big advocate about training new people and making sure that you hire the right person because in this industry you you basically dictate on a daily basis if you succeed or fail. Because there's no way yeah. out of lying or there's this isn't a warehouse gig where somebody screws up, okay, got three or four guys, let's get our story straight. You know, it right. creates good character and personality with the person that if they don't have it, they will definitely become somebody if they stick it out. And it will create a good person because if you're working by yourself, which is a blessing with this job for me. Yeah, But you, you learn so much about yourself mentally. That's one thing in this industry that a lot of people don't realize that it takes a toll on you mentally because you're basically doing something that somebody that you'll never meet is putting their trust and hope that these paint marks are right and accurate and what they're looking for, they're going to find, and the next shovel push into the ground is going to kill them. Yeah. That's a lot of stress on somebody.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of of mental stress there. But, yeah. What have you located?
1: I've located everything. Copper, coax fiber, water, sewer, and once I located multiple pieces of copper for a farmer out in this field, you know, okay. all over Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky. I've, I've been been everywhere, and I feel like I'm definitely one of the best at it because my dad always said, once you find your knack. If you don't feel like you're the best at it, there ain't no point of doing it, you know.
0: No, if, yeah. If you can't I mean, excel at it, then don't don't bother.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it because I encounter different different things I've never seen or whatever on a you know on a weekly basis. But that part I love because I love encountering new things because I love the troubleshooting aspect of it. Yeah, you know, and then. Once you spend a couple hours off of somebody calls me out like today, this guy from out of town, we have a, on a project crew. He's like, "Hey, I'm having trouble troubleshooting a, a single face coming off to a transformer. It's getting really wonky. I'm clamped on, and I get out there, and he's showing me what's up, and I was just like, "Did you try on Bonnie, Kax and AT T?" Because you're getting pretty wonky by the pedestals here, yeah, and they probably either ran it together or ran it by it. He's like, no, so I did that. Still wonky. Switch frequencies. Ten minutes. Found it. You know, just little stuff like that. But sorry, I got I got one of those deals. I went to college for communications and modern and philosophy, so that's I could talk all day about something I love, and that's definitely something I love.
0: What utility do you think you're? The best at, or that you have most experience with.
1: I love locating power. That's currently what our company is contracted to do. Okay. Be- because, and the one thing about me that not a lot of locators do, and in fact, I haven't come across. I don't utilize sound. I don't use sound. Right. It's on mute. It's on mute. Yeah. And. I, this is something I developed when I worked with my first company with Dynatel. Uh, I used Directional Peak with the arrows. I have a no fail. It hasn't failed me yet. And power is probably the, the best and the funnest thing I like to locate. Nobody likes to locate it because everything's grounded to it. Yeah. And that's the reason I like doing it is basically it shows the other individuals that I know what I'm doing because I know how to troubleshoot it. I know when I put my marks down, that's exactly where it at because I'm known around here as somebody I'm very anal about my marks have got to be straight and equally spaced apart. Yeah. I do not, I do not like finishing a locate and there's a, a mark, you know, catty-cronker or you know, basically off kilter, or whatever. Yeah, because it definitely it definitely shows a lot about an individual that is willing to walk away from a locate where you have multiple marks that you know you look like you were trying to pass a field sobriety test yeah. after a, a prom dance. You know what I mean? So, it's just, but power is definitely one. Yeah
0: what what is it like? Do you have any any tips? For locating power, like the problem areas between transformers or Sub, that type of thing?
1: Substations? Yeah. Well, probably the biggest thing you're going to troubleshoot is what you get around substations. Those or even underground duct packages. Yeah. And just my overall tr- knowledge of this is when it comes to troubleshooting, probably the biggest thing is the congestion area when you get Let's say you hooked up in a transformer. You're taking it back. You get around pedestals. You're going to get congested. That's when your signal starts to get wonky, gets crappy. Yeah. You're basically, the best thing to do is to dot it, and then, if you can, unbond stuff. That's the biggest thing that a locator can do. If at all possible, unbond all buried lines around what you're looking for because like I said, everything's grounded to power. Yeah. That will ensure 99 times out of a hundred, what you're looking for will be exactly where you put your marks at. Right. Unbonding, unbonding, unbonding. Yeah. So, you know, got to have the tools to do that, but doing that, you have to ensure obviously to put it back the consequences of the importance of it being bonded. Yeah. Struck by lightning. It ensures stuff is going to start on fire. That's right. The last thing you want to do, you can create the perfect locate. Everything's potholed right out with your marks. You go home, big storm, lightning strike, fire, because you didn't have bonded back. You know?
0: Yeah, lightning goes right down the wire instead of just yes. through the bonding strap.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I've never seen it happen, or you know, I've seen videos during training. But you know, I just want to keep it there, you know. I don't want to be a part of a video, you
0: know. No. No. So have you ever tried a close loop with power, like connecting two meters together?
1: Two meters or two transformers, two boxes at the same time?
0: Yeah, that is well, two transmitters. But like when you hook hook what one end of the one lead to one meter and one lead to the other meter. So it has to go no, through the I system.
1: Don't... I've not tried that before. That's interesting. I've got well I've heard I mean we've had locators last week took up what they thought was a dialectic buried primary, you know, two boxes at both ends, you know, the same frequency but Oh, is
0: that the trick for you know, dielectric?
1: Well, it can be. I mean, if you you know, get your signal and whatnot. I mean they it worked for them. And but what I like to do, you know, before you know Doing that, I, I'm an individual that I learned to utilize Mother Nature and your surroundings. Yeah. Look at your vegetation, look at your grass. Is there a dead spot there where a trench could have been? Is there more of a greener grass over here? Is it grown thicker here with a different type of grass? You know, just look at everything around you, when it was built, how old's the transformer, you know, was there something buried prior to what you're looking for? there are so many factors that go into locating before you even locate sometimes. Yeah. And I've kind of developed some sort of, I call it a, a visual tunnel vision of sometimes I'm able to kind of walk and kind of just, you know, I there's a home where I was watching me for like 10 minutes where I was walking. And in some areas I would, you know, pound my foot there. I was like, Oh, well the, The ground's a little bit softer there. Yeah, You know, the grass is a little bit thicker, a little bit greener, you know. And then, like a couple weeks ago, there was a a contractor's replacing a primary. And they had a temp line laid out from three transformers. And he was like, do you think you'll be able to locate the dead primary that we're replacing? You know, and I tried to get the power company to come out and open it up. They weren't available. Yeah. So I told him, I was just like, well... I'll go and kind of walk around the transformer because I noticed when I was located in the primary and that was coming out of multiple spots, I could definitely tell based on the vegetation that there was a, where the trench was, but the difference with this was it was running through a crick. Okay. So I, I was walking around and I noticed a very, very, very vague red hard mark in a leaf. Yeah. So I put yeah. a dot down, put a flag down. I go to hook up to the transformer because sometimes when you have a temp line, it's it's going to be too close. Your toner is going to pull towards it. But it was away from it, from where the mark was. I put it in my isolation frequency, which was five twelve. I go to it. I get you know a very vague four foot depth, and I was just like, you know what? I think this is probably it. And then I look up. If God is my witness. There was the yellow caution tape not too far away that washed up on the bank.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. That
1: they, Yes. And they dug it up four foot exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a little stuff like that that you either, I wouldn't say you got it or you don't. But it's the stuff that you try to incorporate as a different method of troubleshooting when you've tried all frequencies, all structures, all that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's just different ways you could do this job without actually utilizing the technology that's provided sometimes. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, or like cracks in the pavement where it went across exactly.
1: the road. Yeah. Yeah. It just. Like different, the curb line's a lot newer than this one. Or, you know, there's an obvious trench where they, you know, utilized a, a saw cut or something, you know. Yeah. Just anything around you that you could use to your advantage or whatever to ensure that. Because by, the owner of the company always said, if you don't leave the ticket you close out with a warm and fuzzy feeling, something's going to go wrong.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and that, and that that definitely goes into utilizing everything around you. And that definitely goes into the new hire, new training of new people that are totally green behind the ears. Yeah. And, you know, but, yeah.
0: So what kind of training program would you recommend?
1: Well, I would definitely incorporate the basics. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that m- most people in my mind, when it comes to something brand new, especially when it comes to what I call technology, yeah. Or I don't know if your opinion on this is, do you, do you think what we do is a sort of a science? Because a lot of people don't, right? You know, but I feel like a lot of people are more hands-on. I would give a maybe a little bit of a book description of what we do, how we do it. Kind of introduce the equipment, and then go straight into hooking up to something. Field work, listening to it, the stuff that you'll be dealing with on a daily basis. Because you're not going to be carrying a book around. No, I feel like going straight to the hands-on process of it would definitely eliminate a lot of turnover. Yeah, because I remember when I started this. I The only reason why I passed the test is because I had a rehire that worked for six years at Texas sitting next to me i, che- I, I cheated off him oh. on, the, on the written exam, yeah, but on the hands-on stuff, bang, nailed it every single time right. and because I, i'm not I, I got through college because I found a major that I really didn't have to crack the books. I don't like reading about something that I don't already like. Yeah, Like i have a big, I like to read books on, you know, wars, Vietnam, World War II, stuff like that, you know, but when it comes to something, a new career venture or something, I've got to be hands on. I've got to be right, right in the trenches doing it. Yeah. You know, what I'd be doing on a daily basis. And that's pretty much how I would do a training program is a very vague verbal description, introduce the equipment, and make sure that they do have a manual on how to use the equipment, you know, right off the bat. But and then basically go, all right, let's go do it.
0: Yeah, and then take them out to the problem subdivisions where the you know the where the primary is hard to find, or the gas exactly. line. The,
1: yeah. it, it, I mean, and that's the deal. Like, I feel like the training programs for this job, they it's cookie cutter you you've got to incorporate some very serious situations. It's almost like dropping somebody off in the middle of nowhere with a knife in a one match. okay, let will see you survive for a week yeah, you know drop put them in a situation where they are basically standing there scratching their head, and see how they react. you know that's where you're gonna find out being. The true individuals that will excel at the job is if you put them in a situation right away and basically see how they react. Yeah. Are they immediately going to go to their phone to their lead? Hey, I need help. Or are you going to have somebody that's going to basically embrace it and be like, okay, all right, here's what's going on? You know, basically troubleshoot in their head. But the one thing about training new people about stuff that you are very familiar and knowledgeable on, you cannot make them feel stupid cuz once you create that sense of doubt and negativity in their head that's right they're going to they're going to immediately start to question everything they do
0: and uh, they'll be less inclined to call for help
1: exactly and that's, that's one of the things that uh, with new hires you you cannot create that sense of doubt especially with damages You'll find nine times out of ten, you get somebody with a the damage, their productivity is going to go down for a little bit. Yeah. Because they're going to start questioning everything that they do from here on out So they get that confidence back. They get, you know, those long tickets where there's a bunch of structures they had to hook up to yeah. that didn't get hit, you know. And that's one of, a guy that was 80 years old. He'd been doing it almost 30 years. Wow. Damage-free for like 15 years. Yeah. There's was a letterman's jacket. Yeah. Gave me that advice. He's just like, if you ever get a damage, do not get down about it. Just look at, look at what happened, figure out what happened, and incorporate it next time you do your ticket when it comes to that step. Just make sure that one step that you fumbled on is the one step that you're constantly reminding yourself to do because yeah. everything up to that point you did right.
0: Yeah, they'll, you they'll know. post-it note on your dash.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it's those those like I said, you constantly surrounding yourself with knowledgeable people that will always steer you in the right direction. And that his his name is Lottie, and I I remember the first time I met him, I hated him. Yeah, because I thought I was great at what I do, and then he started to, you know, poke little of those little things is, yeah, he had to quit because of health issues, but a lot of the little stuff, because he's like, hey, why don't you turn off your equipment every time? Why is it always on? And I was just like, well, if I don't have to push the button, he's just like, well, do you know doing that, you're going to start draining the battery? And I was just like, oh, yeah. And he's just like, it's little things like that, those seconds of stuff you're going to do to save yourself time, it will add up. Yeah. You know, just little pieces of advice like that of somebody that's been doing it longer than Moses. Yeah. You know, right. I, I love, I just love being around people that like doing this as much as I do. Because it's just one of those things, it's like when you're talking to that individual, remember where we were talking about how your friends or just general people bystanders just look, all well, you do is hook up to stuff and looking for a beep. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I've heard that from the peanut crowd, and uh, you know, I just think to myself, God, if you only knew, if you only knew.
0: That's right. There's a lot more that goes on there.
1: Oh yeah, just, just so much. You know, it's I can't even begin. I could I had a publisher. I'd read a book on it. Yeah. Because, like I said, I've been doing this ten years, and I remember the first day I stepped in the training class, I was like first hour. I said, there's no way I'm going to learn how to do this. But the one thing I, I wrote in my notes is, the people that really want to do this job, you've got to do a lot of preparation. I learned I learned how to re- read AT&T blueprints from contractors. You know, you prepare your day. You look at your tickets. You learn how to manage your project tickets from your single lot tickets. Yeah. You get a, and then if you get a project... You communicate with your contract, okay, when are you starting? Where are you starting? So you know you've got to stay ahead of them so you can stay ahead of them but also get your single lot tickets done. You know, half of this job and half the knowledge I learned was my willingness to clock out and learn it. And that's why another job I had prior to this one, before this company asked me to come back, I was a field supervisor for a utility construction company out of texas right. they were a sub for at and i basically was overseeing the subcontractors that were burying the fob at&t light fiber optics in the kansas area yeah. i would never got that job if i wasn't a locator no and learned how to read prints yeah you know yeah. I've, pr- I've pretty much done every single type of job with the exception of running a bore rig in this industry. Oh, okay. But I always go back to locating, you know. Yeah.
0: So how would you explain electromagnetic frequency locating to a new hire?
1: Like I said, explaining it and doing it is probably, you know, two different things. Yeah. And I would first give, obviously, the Webster's definition, you know.
0: Yeah. Like, how, do you ex- how would you explain the difference between peak and null?
1: Well, peak and null, peak is obviously you... Is, you know, go back and forth, hear your beat, but you've got to turn your game down, obviously. Your null is basically the one that you utilize to kind of, your last resort to kind of go over your marks to okay, use null to kind of just double check what you already put down, per se, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, to confirm.
1: There you go. Better terminology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just, like I said, Explaining it and doing it, you know, one of those things where I I really hope I get to the opportunity, because I have a lot of ideas that I'm going to incorporate when I become lead in the area in January, (laughs) that like I created a universal email to communicate with contractors for statusing tickets. Okay. If you can't get a hold of them, I created a universal email for statusing individual tickets or stand and see multiple tickets to where all I have to do is enter the ticket number in the subject line. Wow. It saves me a buttload of time. Then, you know, some people, well, they go, like, oh, I'm going to email them. And, you know, they just create this random email, you know, by the end of the day, you're so tired. You don't really care what you're putting as long as they get the point. Yeah. You know, I created, you know, I created that. Right. So just little things that save time. Yeah. when, Time is of the essence. That's right. You know, and, you know, the, the Rolodex, of the context that I've got over the years that, like I said, trying to with knowledgeable people. Let's say I come across something that's buried or like the main subcontractor to the power company in Topeka, Kansas. All name names. But they buried something and I located it from the pole and I called them. I was just like, why is it goes? Straight A to B, and then all of a sudden, it does some weird bend here, you know, column. And they're like, oh, well, basically right there, we ran into the storm sewer. We had some flex pipe that we basically attached to our conduit. So when it came to that point, we could, you know, basically, instead of obvious conduit, does a bend. So we attached that to it to where it'll bend around that, go into the transformer. Yeah you know, a good relationship with a contract, you'll get that answer every single time. Or if you just have a general answer about something to do with communication lines, power lines, how something's buried, and get that good relationship with somebody, call them up. Yeah. You know, be like, hey, what's, what's up with this? Like, I called our main sub here that works for the power company here in Wichita. And I was just like, hey, I've noticed that the areas where it says we're supposed to have transformer on prints, we've got J boxes. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, the power company is out of them. I was, just, and I was like, oh, it must be the shortage of metal worldwide. He's like, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, would have never known that. No. So now it saves time, and I give that information to my teammates, so they're not looking for something on prints that isn't going to be there. You know, just did those stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there definitely needs to be a better store of information like that for for locators to access quickly, because it it's only passed down from word of mouth, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if you're willing to, I mean, some people don't even notice it. No. But the reason why I noticed it is because it was on a transformer pad. J-boxes are usually, usually just get the conduit coming up straight into the J-box. Transformers are different. They have their own concrete pad usually. Some are plastic green pads. Yeah, That's how I noticed the J-Box was there. Because, obviously, a J-Box and a transformer pad, two different shapes, two different sizes. So the pad's going to stick out a little bit further. You know, it's just people's willingness to just advance their knowledge in this industry, you know, and not just, oh, I got a ticket, hook up, locate it, great, feels like it was right, close it out. And that's why I feel like this industry is lost with the company greed. The companies are basically looking for LPH's tickets by the numbers and they may stress quality and you know accuracy, but when it boils down to interview or evaluations, all of that, the majority of evaluations for sixty day new hires, raises yeah the majority of the scores are incorporated based on LPHs. Yeah. How many tickets could you close out? Right. How many premium locates could you get? How many hourly rates can we bring in squeeze out of this? Yeah. And that is definitely screwing up the industry in the way where they're looking at production, 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 and then you're losing sight of quality accuracy. And then you're flirting with somebody's life. Yeah. And that is not the direction you should be going.
0: No. Do you have any good contractor stories?
1: I got a contractor that I finally got good with. He's he's a sub for a communications company, but his outfit is damn good. I mean fast. Yeah. Thirty five thousand feet, rear easement stuff, week, week and a half. And they don't utilize back back tr- backtrons either. They have thirty five individuals at pothole. And whatever they, let's say they put a shovel in the ground, they got 35 shovels in the ground. By the end of the day, there will be conduit, fiber, and either a pedestal or a handhole there. It'll be backfilled, and it'll be like they're never were there.
0: That's quite the... They're
1: a well-oiled machine, That is. Huh? That's
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And we've had guys coming from out of town where I, I was able to keep up with them for about two months when I took over an area here in Wichita when I got quit but it was all open easement so That was you know easy. But once I got to the spots where there was rear easements where the back fences were, and, you know, basically connected, where I had to jump fence, drive around constantly. No, these guys from out of town came in, they just, they thought they were very, you know, I worked in Texas, you know, I closed out 60 tickets in a day. And I was just like, Oh, okay, great. Yeah. You know, they get done working one day with these guys. And I was like, how many tickets you close out? And I was just, because they haven't worked in these looks like this. No. They're like, well, maybe four or five. And I was like, why? He's like, well, the contractor guys were constantly on my butt. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty amazing how fast they work. Like, it is, but it affects my work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, these guys, it's, oh, I wish I could have, a, like, a video camera one time where it was open easement all 35 guys were just lined up spread out potholing different utilities water lines and then within an hour the bore rig was running wow then within another 45 minutes they had the spool of pipes within another hour they had the spool of fiber two hours pedestals were set handholds were set backfilled Look like we were never there.
0: What's what's the deepest utility there? Is it water?
1: It depends on the areas right now with the new subdivisions and stuff. It kind of depends. The older areas are going to go a lot deeper because back then, you know, the regulations there was no OSHA. You know, now it, then they were skimming on stuff. So there is pretty much you got your cross country you know, pipelines. That are, once they hit rural and outskirts of town, they're pretty deep. But pretty much the water lines and sewer lines and the new subdivisions, I've noticed, are ridiculously deep. Huh. I've had to locate the power for, you know, new duplexes that were going up. And when I went and did the update tickets, I saw a sewer line that was ran to a new duplex. Easily 15 feet. Easy. Wow. 15 feet. Yeah running huh. to the house. Huh. And I was just like, God, why are you burying it? that? What if something breaks? You know? you know, that's the landscape. And he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. He's just like, but they want it this deep here. Yeah. So I'd say the sewer, because pretty much the water and water mains is regulated. It seems more, they're, they prepare for the worst and they don't want to create too much future work. But, but a lot of the new subdivisions I've noticed, If there's a lake or luxury pond behind them, it's going to be front yard easement for obvious reasons. don't want to bury power. There's near water. But a lot of places are doing front yard easement. And I know it's one of the individuals you were talking about was talking about, you know, the fiber and how it's all front yard easement in one area. I can't remember who you were talking to. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stuff nowadays is they just don't want to go through the hassle and time consumption of, going in the rear no, because, you know, they know right now when they put in a subdivision, it's going to be a piece of cake, bury everything in the same trench. But once you start getting those developments going up, fences going up, then you're going to have to bury drops. Then you're going to have to, you know, wear and tear. You're going to have to dig up stuff. Then you're going to, to tear out fences in the future. You know, at least think nowadays in the utility industry, at least they're doing, make it a lot easier for future, so it's kind of like a contingency plan for themselves for future work that it's gonna it's gonna happen. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're making it as easy as possible, but more importantly, take less time and get whatever they have to fix back online for the service per, service provider. Yeah. So at least that much I see they're catering to the customer because a lot. Of, I mean, I don't know in in Canada. Did you ever notice when you're located how, how shallow, I mean, just ridiculously shallow cob lines the houses were?
0: Oh, they just pop out of the ground. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen people weed eat and cut them. Yeah. You know, I never understood that. Your basis of your profits are solely based on your service provider. So why are you not buried at least relatively deep to the point where, you know, at least you know your dog's not going to dig it up? You know, yeah. I mean, at least the TV provider here—they're starting to bury their their lines in conduit, but they're going about two foot deep because when a line gets cut, they don't have to dig it up; they just pull it out of the conduit, feed it to the end. Yeah, you know, goes back to saving future possible disasters.
0: Yeah, no. There's there's actually one company, one phone company around here. All the new fiber they're installing—it's an independent small company. Everything has to go eighteen inches deep. The service wires. So mm-hmm. it's the only one that I know of that is actually making sure they're at a good depth.
1: So you got these guys that utilize the you know, ditch witches, dirty got guys that use spades or and then you got the little small bore rigs that go underneath, you know, driveways and whatnot. Yeah. But based on the terrain and whatnot. Well, another thing, with your weather out there, when does your dig season start to finish How how seasonal is located up there?
0: Well, I'm in the southern part of Ontario. So the, actually, okay. the drill crews can still go all winter long as long as it's it doesn't get too cold. So I want to say 10 degrees Fahrenheit or something is when the trucks, the Hydrovac trucks start to freeze up. Gotcha. Yeah. So they, they just keep going all winter long.
1: Gotcha. So job security is not a problem up there. Nope. So do you work for an outfit that's a local or kind of a, more of a, I wouldn't say global, but it's for a company that's, you know, not your modern pop sort of outfit.
0: No, I work for one of the, the large public, like we're, we're the main public locator in the province or this area of the province.
1: Do you feel like you're compensated where you should be? yeah based on you know your seniority knowledge and job title and
0: yeah we all just got a a pretty big raise this year so there's a lot better morale cuz we're actually paid for yeah. what, what the job that we're doing we're we're getting paid as utility workers as what we would be paid gotcha. if we were working at the utility itself finally
1: In the company i work for yeah 2009 was when they were started okay and pretty much get, they they started out with the two main owners started out with a small local cable contract and they lived like forty five minutes to an hour from the area of service that the cable company provided so pretty much those two guys ran it, and that's how they got started then they got a you know local fiber contract yeah see I look at them as pretty much a company in the industry that kind of made their presence known but didn't create a ruckus to where they were a threat. Right. Until I I call it the overnight sensation per se because all of a sudden overnight we took they took a major contract from the big I call I won't say the company's name, but I call it the Microsoft of our industry.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I'm pretty sure you probably know what I'm talking That's about. Right. But <laughs> but they basically slipped up. We got the contract, and that was the big contract. And then they created the company, and pretty much they got, you know, started spreading out. But in all honesty, I've, I felt like they got a little bit too big, and they didn't have the manpower. They're promising things, and they went away from their motto of, having only one major utility contract because that basically means you're going to designate your time to one locate, one utility, one quality, you your quality is always going to be there. You yeah. know? Then they got a little bit bigger. They started taking on more utilities. They started to basically become what they despise to the point where they lost their contracts to the point where now they're back to only one utility yeah. where it should be. And it turned out, this year's their most profitable year that they've had with the company. Wow. And, you know, it's a small company, 250, a little bit over. Yeah. But, you know, that's just the difference between a company that's going to start it out small and they made a name for themselves. You know, eventually it'll turn out to be like any other company in this industry. They'll get bought out, but the owner's insured, and it's going to take a fat amount of money because they have been approached. It's a buyout. Yeah. But the one thing I will say about them is they are a group of a family that definitely is committed and will not overnight sell out the, the individuals that helped build what they started. They're definitely appreciative of the employees. That is one thing that they have maintained from, you know, start to where they are now.
0: This concludes part one. Tune in next time to hear Jake's damage stories and a lot more useful advice that you could use as a locator. That concludes today's episode. If you would like to be a guest on this show, please visit ForgotMyTransmitter.com for instructions on how to submit your info. And remember, don't forget your transmitter.